Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of our challenging cases in uh, splenic imaging, a case-based approach. We left off with this slide last time where I mentioned one of the challenges is when you have masses that appear to be solid and well-defined, there's a large differential from benign lesions like hemangioma and hematomas to malignancies to those in-between processes like hematoma. And there's some unusual splenic tumors, literal cell tumors, and SANS, and we're gonna cover all of those in this session. So hemangiomas, most common benign splenic tumor, can be single or multiple, may enhance similar to a hepatic hemangioma, but it's important to remember that's relatively uncommon. Most hemangiomas, 90% in the liver, have peripheral puddling and filling in. That's not the case with splenic hemangiomas. And you can see multiple splenic hemangiomas in syndromes like Klippel-Trenomny Weber, where the entire spleen can be involved by hemangiomas and or lymphangiomas. So here's classic splenic hemangiomas, multiple small vascular lesions, little feeding vessels nearby, very nicely shown on these images. What else can you think about? Metastasis from renal cell carcinoma, I guess, but not many things. And normal size spleen, incidental finding, hemangiomas, and you can see them nicely on the arterial phase. And in a classic pattern, these become isodense on the venous phase imaging. And you could see no matter how hard you look, you really can't see them. Oh yes, by the way, this patient has a markedly dilated pancreatic duct, but those splenic lesions were hemangiomas. Another case, you can see a splenic lesion, it's about two centimeters in size. It has some peripheral enhancement, kind of like you would suspect with a hepatic hemangioma perhaps. And then you could see that, you look at the lesion again, here it is well-defined sharply marginated. Well, what else could this possibly be? You begin to run out of choices. There just aren't that many things that could be. Hemangioma doesn't look like a hamartoma. I guess you could think about Mets in theory. Angiosarcoma, just, I'm just naming vascular lesions. Incidental finding, hemangioma, next case. You can see it nearly becomes isodense, fills in, still a bit brighter than background spleen, but a hemangioma. Here it is again. Now, when you look at this lesion, I also want to make the point, this is a solitary hemangioma. You can see multiple, as I showed you in the first case. But again, showing you a bunch of different images, I just want you to get a feel. And again, I am showed you two cases that behave somewhat like hepatic hemangiomas. And again, that washout, a bit brighter, homogeneous, very nice, very nice for hemangioma. And then here it is side by side. So just take a picture of that. That's a, a very good uh, song by, uh, you know, one of the Eagles by Don Henley. Take a picture of this. So take a picture of this in your mind. Another hemangioma. You see, now you have a larger lesion. There may be some enhancement in the periphery at about 9 o'clock, but it's a well-defined lesion. But then you notice there are multiple other lesions which are not uncommon hemangiomas. But you could think about other things. Could you think about Mets? Sure. Could you think about abscesses? Less likely. But this is hemangioma. Now you go to venous phase. It's well-defined. But none of that rim enhancement doesn't have the features like you would expect to see if you were talking about hepatic hemangioma. So multiple lesions. Here it is in the coronal view. 
Here it is on the cinematic view. Here it looks more cystic because of the vascularity. It's basically a blood pool. Maybe that's a helpful differential point from the cinematic. But again, you need to think about this, but this was hemangioma. I mentioned Klippel-Trenani-Weber syndrome. Here the spleen's enlarged. There are multiple splenic lesions. This was multiple hemangiomas. This patient also had hemangiomas and lymphangiomas in the colon and the small bowel. So it's in the bladder. It's one of those disease entities that gives you multiple hemangiomas. But this is an exceedingly rare case. I show it to you so you get a feel. If you were looking at this otherwise, you would say multiple low-density lesions. Could this be lymphoma? But it's almost too low density. What else could this be? It's kind of difficult. Now, we mentioned before about calcifications. Well, look at this lesion, non-contrast, really extensive and dense calcification. Okay. And then once you give contrast, those calcifications you're still going to see. But now you say, what could it be? Well, I don't know. Um, patient has poor renal function. It's not going to be lymphoma. That doesn't calcify. Old trauma, that's a good thought with a hematoma. Um, you got infection, old infection, but it's so round. This ended up being a hemangioma. Again, this patient uh, could not get a really good bolus of contrast because of the poor renal function. Incidental finding, splenic hemangioma. Now, in cases, in this article by Consul made the point with calcification it, that it's somewhat tricky. An algorithmic approach to splenic lesions according to the characteristic calcification pattern can therefore narrow the differential diagnosis. So the last pattern I showed you is great for hemangioma. The calcifications with hemangiomas can appear as central punctate, curvilinear, or speckled in areas of thrombosis. Multiphase CT of splenic hemangiomas will show a hypoattenuating lesion on non-contrast, sometimes with early peripheral discontinuous enhancement. Although this pattern can be obscured because of background parenchymal enhancement, again, smaller lesions may show flash filling. And I've showed you all of that, but again, calcifications think about that. Now, the second most common lesion is hamartomas. Here's a typical hamartoma, and I show you this case to show you how similar it looks to that splenic hemangioma. I think it's really hard to say this is a hamartoma or this is not a hemangioma. It's a low-density lesion. It's solid. There's no real perfusion changes in the Mori uh, imaging of the spleen. You can see it's well-defined, a little bit of peripheral enhancement. If I told you this is hemangioma, you would say yes. There's no doubt I couldn't say it's not hemangioma. Here it is again, a few more views to give you a good look at it. Again, through different phases. That was a hamartoma. However, I want you to know that sometimes you can call hamartomas. And here's such an example. And the typical history is this is read by somebody as a malignancy. You see a mass in the spleen on the uh, arterial phase imaging, and it has some enhancement. And on the arterial phase, it surely could be a tumor that's malignant. And you see it's pretty large. There it is again, our arterial phase. But now when you start looking at it, there's some peripheral enhancement to it. Again, I can think about hemangioma, hamartoma, or even malignancy. But when you look at it, you can see how the spleen is bulging out. 
This is the thing to me, this bulging here. Yes, tumors can enlarge, like malignancies, lymphoma, enlarge the spleen, but this is a difference to me. This is bulging out. And when I see that bulging pattern, to me, it's always gonna be a hamartoma. And that's what this was. Hamartomas, as you wash out, you can see them a little better sometimes than on the arterial phase. Here it is with some narrow windows. Sometimes it's better seen on venous phase, sometimes not a whole lot of difference between arterial and venous. But to me, it's the shape change. Here it is with that peripheral enhancement shown in the cinematic rendering. And again, that bulging out, which I think to me can indeed be very, very important in diagnosing what this was, which is splenic hamartoma. Now, another case, left upper quadrant pain, big mass. Again, you're thinking malignancy, you're thinking benign, benign, hemangioma, hamartoma. Peripheral enhancement, maybe it's a hemangioma. Remember we said hemangiomas aren't that great in terms of enhancing like liver hemangiomas. There it is on venous phase. I don't know, I'm kind of stuck here. And look, on delayed phase, it becomes nearly isodense. Hemangioma is a possibility. Hamartomas is still a possibility. And I would consider malignancy, but there was no other findings and the patient had this as an incidental finding. Again, be aware that hamartomas and even hemangiomas can be very large. Kind of an interesting case. This patient ended up having some symptoms and the patient wasn't willing to do, a, do nothing. This was resected and was a hamartoma. So again, unusual. This is the challenge of hamartomas. It's easy to say it's likely benign because you had no history of malignancy, but how do I know it wasn't a primary splenic tumor? And with a little bit of symptoms, this lesion is surely gonna come out. Another example, low density lesion, looks like multiple lesions, very similar to a case about three cases ago. Thinking about the differential, what could it be? Again, hamartoma hemangioma, well, you were wrong. This was taken out, it was a literal cell angioma. And you say, what the heck is that? Is an incidental finding in an asymptomatic patient or sometimes abdominal pain. The physical exam can recognize splenomegaly. The patients can have other features like anemia, thrombocytopenia, hepatitis, cirrhosis, or portal hypertension. It's a vascular tumor arising from the cells lining the splenic red pulp venous sinuses hence the name littoral cell. It's a rare splenic vascular tumor. Again, the problem is there's no way of just calling that lesion. You can see the differential includes other vascular lesions from hemangiomas to lymphangiomas to hamartomas to angiosarcoma. And the bottom line is the way you make the diagnosis is you take it out. So again, literal cell tumors. If you're not sure what a lesion is, I would put this in the differential, it's rare. You may look like a genius one of these days. Again, very, very difficult. People have looked at ultrasound and CT, MR, even PET, and it's really been of no specific value. And here it is again, just to get a feel of it, but boy, multifocal, but hemangiomas can be multifocal. Hamartomas typically are solitary. Another case, low density lesion in the spleen. Patient had some vague symptoms and no one knew what this was. Could be an abscess, could be tumor, I guess, right? There it is. And it's hot on the PET scan. So you say hot on the PET, maybe it's lymphoma or metastatic melanoma. Here is an MR, low density lesion with a capsule, high signal intensity or moderate signal intensity. 
Again, what are we dealing with? This was a sand, sclerosing angiomatoid nodular transformation of the spleen. Now that is a mouthful and that is a rare lesion. 30 reported cases, non-neoplastic vascular lesion, differential diagnosis, everything I've just shown you. Very rare. I think I have two cases. That's one of them. So it does make the point that splenic lesions can be challenging. Again, incidental finding. Again, patients have pain. Usually if you tell them they have a lesion, splenectomy ends the day. So again, I do want to make the point that although the literature may say otherwise, splenic lesions can be challenging and sometimes we simply can describe them and the clinician is going to have to make a decision and often that decision will be to do a splenectomy. And in this article we wrote, while several imaging features of SAND have been described in the literature, it is not possible to make a prospective diagnosis on the imaging findings alone. We rarely say that. I don't think I've ever said that about anything except for this. So something to keep in mind. Again, SANS typically remain stable over time. They can grow, but there's very few reports. So it's really hard to make a, uh, a real comment about that. Again, in our experience, we had five cases, which is pretty, pretty impressive. Now, what else can I look at? What about massive splenomegaly? If I see massive splenomegaly, I can think of something as simple as mononucleosis or something systemic as Gaucher's disease or with super big spleens, I'm thinking of CLL or lymphoma. Here's a good example of CLL. Look at the size of the spleen pushing on the patient's stomach. You're not going to confuse this with a benign lesion. When the spleens get very large and they're infiltrated and you see the salt and pepper appearance, that's a very good sign for CLL. The spleens often go down into the pelvis. You can see it on the coronal view. There it is there, down to the pelvis. Salt and pepper appearance, really, really good for CLL. Now, sometimes the spleen can be large and low density, and I put this one in because I don't want you to make the mistake. Here, what you're looking at is an infarcted spleen. There's basically no flow. It's not infiltration, it's infarction. This patient had a recent Whipple's an unusual complication post Whipple's, but you can see the entire spleen is low density or the, essentially almost the entire spleen. It's a large infarct. There's some splenic tissue. Again, I don't think you're going to make that mistake because it's so cystic here. You have the history of surgery, but also the appearance is a global infarct. So let's go back to other things. Here I'm giving you a big spleen and I'm showing you sclerotic changes in bone. No focal lesion in the spleen, but it's diffusely infiltrated, but doesn't quite have the salt and pepper of the last case. But you could see coarse bony changes. The spleen is going into the pelvis. You are thinking about things that involve the spleen and bone. I'm always thinking about leukemia, CLL, something like that. And again, the bony changes nicely seen on bone windows. Again, this was unusual, okay? Again, a big spleen, you got to think lymphoma, you got to think uh, myelofibrosis. Thalassemia can fool you. You can get extramedullary hematopoiesis. You can see beautiful changes in bone, the really big spleen. Now, the patient had thalassemia, they knew that, but the spleen was so large, they really worried about lymphoma, which is why the patient had a splenectomy, and at PATH, this was extramedullary hematopoiesis. So let me tell you a couple points. Typically in Mediterranean countries, thalassemias can be classified according to the chain involved. 
in beta thalassemia, which was the case here. There is deficient synthesis of B globin, while in acellothemia, there is deficient synthesis of A globulin. Extramedular hematopoiesis can arise in many places, liver, spleen, kidneys, adrenals, and paraortic region, and in bone. Now, with thalassemia, you could see big metastinal masses looking like lymphoma, typically in the posterior metastinum. You could see them in the periodic region where they simulate adenopathy. Again, like in this case, the enlarged spleen simulated a malignancy. Same thing could happen in the liver. And again, the bony changes make you think of some dyscrasia, myeloma, leukemia, just some examples. Now, I mentioned also when you have a big spleen, there are sometimes systematic processes or systemic processes, maybe is a better description. Big spleen, some calcifications. This patient ended up with Gaucher's disease, had the most impressive femurs you've ever seen. So big spleen, sometimes with calcification, but not necessarily. Probably the calcifications in this case were the sequela of old infarcts. But look at the size of the spleen, very much the size and appearance of the CLL cases I showed you a few minutes ago. Another patient, look how big the spleen is. It's pushing against the stomach. It appears to be infiltrated. I'm thinking lymphoma, okay? It doesn't look like a mangioma, hematoma. It's big. Could it be leukemia? Could it be lymphoma? Some periodic nodes. I'm thinking about that. Definitely, look at that mass effect on the stomach. This is going to come out. Could it be an angiosarcoma? Eh, not vascular enough. There it is beautifully shown on the cinematic rendering. Again, sort of some of the texture within the lesion. Again, I really like cinematic, so I'm showing you that because in my mind, we published an article about cinematic of the spleen. But I am thinking more about cinematic as texture mapping and defining specific lesions. And this was resected because everyone thought malignancy, and this was an inflammatory pseudotumor of the spleen. Now you can see inflammatory pseudotumors in the liver and the same problem, it looks like malignancy. The definitive diagnosis established by the histologic findings, which means you're taking it out. But look at the differential, METS, lymphoma, infarcomangioma, on and on and on, okay? In this case, you make the diagnosis after you remove the spleen. Radiologic tests could orient, but there are not pathognomonic findings, again, resection and splenectomy is the diagnosis. Inflammatory pseudotumor of the spleen is a rare benign process with nonspecific CT features. The masses were generally hypodense with delayed enhancement, kind of like our case. Once you do a splenectomy, you cure the patient. Okay, very, very simple. Now, I mentioned before, when you look at the spleen, you want to look at other things. You want to look in the differential, is there lesions in the liver? Well, what could do that? Sarcoid, lymphoma, METs like melanoma, infection, an immunosuppressed patient, and occasionally just with luck, hemangiomas. Now, this case is sarcoid, looking like melanoma, looking like lymphoma. Multiple splenic lesions, multiple liver lesions, and a patient who's not very symptomatic, you always got to think about sarcoid. The right age group patient, Typically, we've seen them in females in their 30s. No one's thinking sarcoid. They've never had the diagnosis of sarcoid. But look at the chest. You'll find something. Another example, again, multiple low-density lesions in the spleen. Here, the liver looks okay. Sarcoidosis. Almost looks cystic. To me, this was a challenging case because it almost looks like multiple cysts or hemangiomas or something else.
Or this case, weight loss and abdominal pain. Gosh, spleen's not big, but look at all the splenic lesions. Look at all the liver lesions. I'm thinking lymphoma. I'm thinking metastasis. Okay? There's some nodes present. It's hard to get by anything but malignancy. Look at this case again, and always remember to think about this, because at the end of the day, this patient was worked up for malignancy. There it is. Okay, nicely shown. I got to be thinking about metastasis, melanoma. I still would say, think about sarcoid, but boy, it's hard-pressed to call this sarcoid. Again, showing you some of the cinematic renderings with multiple perspectives, and this was melanoma. So I showed these two cases back-to-back -to, -back to show you that you should think, oh, it's easy to differentiate melanoma and sarcoid. But if you're looking only at the imaging and you don't have other history, it can be exceedingly difficult. Now, we always think about lymphoma. We talk about primary lymphoma when it involves the spleen only, and then secondary when it involves other areas. And most of the cases are secondary. So here's a case of multiple splenic lesions, but there are liver lesions. There's adenopathy present, particularly left periodic adenopathy. So now we're talking about a process involving multiple organs and zones, and now you're thinking about malignancy. Yes, you can think about melanoma or other metastasis, but you got to put your money on lymphoma, and this was lymphoma. And again, I'm showing you a number of images just so you get familiar. Another case, infiltration of the liver and the spleen, particularly the liver, but look at all of those nodes by the celiac axis. And now on the venous side, the splenic lesions show better. Splenic and liver and nodes. Yes, I could think about METs. Yes, I could think maybe about sarcoid. But you got to be thinking that this is lymphoma. Interesting, lymphoma has many patterns in the liver from solitary masses to just diffuse hepatomegaly to multiple infiltrating like this case. Another example large mass infiltrating the spleen, but you see, it goes to the capsule, it's multiple. This is not what I showed you when I showed you hemangiomas and hematomas. And you look further in this case, there's a mass in the pancreas, initially called a pancreatic cancer. This ended up being lymphoma with peripancreatic nodes and extensive splenic involvement with the spleen secondarily involving the patient's stomach. Just a really nice example. Another case, Hodgkin's lymphoma with splenic involvement. The spleen is large, it's infiltrated, there are extensive nodes present. Look at the infiltration. Again, infiltration, big spleen, lymphoma, leukemia, metastasis maybe, but unlikely. You start seeing the nodes, you're in the lymphoma category. You can think of leukemia, but you're thinking malignancy in this case. Whenever I see bulky nodes, Yes, you can see nodes in the hilum on a chest and that sarcoid, but you see asymmetric bulky nodes in the abdomen. I'm always thinking about lymphoma. So primary splenic lymphoma is rare, usually B-cell type. Secondary, most of the cases I just showed you, multiple organ involvement, liver and spleen, sometimes also kidney, and then adenopathy indeed is very common. Now, once you get used to what I told you and you think you understand it and will get it right, what do you do with this case? Enhancing lesions in the liver and in the spleen, and there's extensive adenopathy present. Could this be lymphoma? Absolutely. Though we don't take a, think about lymphoma being so vascular, but it's not that vascular, but it could be lymphoma. 
But when you see this, you got to say, it's sort of vascular. Could I think about other things? And the nodes, again, pushing you, but what else can give you splenic and hepatic and extensive adenopathy? And that's not many things that do that. Yes, I mentioned sarcoid, but here, look at the lesions now, arterial phase, very vascular. And this is a really good appearance, vascular liver, vascular spleen, angiosarcoma. The second thing to think about is Kaposi sarcoma. Now, angiosarcoma is more vascular. Kaposi's is a bit less vascular. Beautiful example of Kaposi's. I showed this case in conference the other week. No one got the answer, but you got to think about that. Vascular lesions in the spleen and liver, and you're thinking malignancy. Think of angiosarcoma and think of Kaposi sarcoma. Both of them are rare, but I'll go with Kaposi's because angiosarcoma is particularly rare these days. Now, here's just another set of images on that patient. Look at the size of the splenic lesions and the liver lesions, better shown low density on the later phase imaging. Now, I mentioned before calcification, so let me just come back to a few last points. We talked about trauma. We talked about infection like old TB or histo. We talked about angiosarcoma, or at least we mentioned it, but then their vascular lesions looks totally different. And then this sickle cell disease. Small spleen, autoinfarction, classic for sickle cell. And there, of course, sagittal view of the bony changes of sickle cell with the fish-mouthing vertebrae. You also see in this case papillary necrosis. So this is like a case for all conferences. The bone findings, kidney findings, papillary necrosis, not uncommon in sicklers and the autoinfarction of the patient's spleen. Now you can see splenic cysts, and I mentioned this before, rim-like calcifications like in the kidney, in the liver. You gotta think about old trauma, old hematoma. You can get infection, but I like trauma better. Look, it looks like the moon or the an earth globe or something when you look at it with the MIP imaging. And again, this article by Consul makes the point, broad differential, but other findings, as well as the appearance of the splenic lesion, can make it easier. Now, the last thing I'll talk about probably will be infiltrating lesions. And we spoke about them a little bit, lymphoma, METS, and infection. I mentioned lymphoma, big spleen, infiltration, primary splenic only versus secondary, where multi-organ involvement, secondary being far more common. Even on the non-contrast CT, you recognize that something is going on. You can see the large mass. You can see the large nodes that are present. The adenopathy is indeed prominent and bulky and peripancreatic and periotic. So here we're talking about what surely is malignancy. Now you're just simply trying to figure out specifically what it is. But when I see big spleen and I see nodes, I'm thinking about lymphoma. Here it is on the 3D imaging, the lesion hypovascular, very nicely shown, arterial venous delayed it would show, but best shown on venous. Another example, large splenic lesion, almost infiltrates two-thirds of the spleen. The small nodes present, perhaps, peripancreatic. The tumor is also growing out and involving the fundus of the stomach. Once again, we're dealing with a case of lymphoma. You see the peripancreatic nodes as well as the periotic nodes, so it's secondary lymphoma. Lymphoma can be large and can be aggressive. It can grow through the spleen into adjacent organs, 
most commonly stomach, but occasionally kidney and occasionally colon. Another example, large cell lymphoma, infiltration of the entire spleen, but also tumor infiltration in the periodic regions involving the left periodic zone, including the left renal artery, as well as involving the left renal vein, as well as tail of pancreas. So again, you could read this at first, maybe it's a pancreatic cancer with invasion of the spleen. That's a possibility, but with the bulky adenopathy, you really have to go with lymphoma as your best diagnosis. And here's just a few more images showing that. So just a very, very nice example. Infiltration of the spleen, look for other organs, adenopathy, involvement of the stomach, involvement of the pancreas, lymphoma is going to be your diagnosis. Again, in most cases of lymphoma, the lesions are relatively hypovascular. Occasionally, they might have some area of prominence, particularly around the borders, but that's typically splenic tissue rather than vascularity of the tumor. And here it is nicely on the venous phase imaging. So again, you're getting a feel of the appearance, mild enhancement, but nothing all that impressive. Now, we also should mention that at times you can see active extravasation from the spleen. Trauma is obviously the number one reason for that, but mononucleosis, rupture of a very large spleen, splenic artery aneurysms or pseudoaneurysms, which we'll speak about at different time, patients on anticoagulant therapy can bleed from anywhere, but also occasionally tumor. Look at this case. This is the most impressive patient, acute abdomen. Look at the splenic bleed multiple sites of splenic bleeding. That's not trauma because I would have, I've never seen trauma look like that. Is it something going on infiltrating? Is it anticoagulant therapy? What is going on to give that patient that splenic appearance? And I'll tell you that patient, not surprisingly, went from this appearance to a few hours later, rupturing the spleen and dying. Just a very unusual case. Multiple areas of vascularity and bleeding within the spleen and yet there's little outside the spleen going on. This was an unusual case of a patient being treated with medication for hepatitis C. The patient developed idiopathic thrombocytic cytopenia, and ITP can lead to spontaneous splenic bleeds and splenic rupture. Now, I've showed you a lot of large lesions, and I made the point that this talk was on large lesions, but let me at least throw in a few small lesions. When I have fever and I see multiple lesions, particularly in an immunosuppressed patient, I'm thinking about abscesses, candida, or other fungal infections. Bacterial low-density, hypodense, larger lesions. You also can have lesions that are systemic. Tuberculosis can cause multiple splenic lesions. Typically, it's active TB. You may see findings in the kidney, you may see findings in the liver, or you may see findings only in the spleen. So I've gone through a lot of cases, and that was the purpose, to show you where you can be specific and where you might struggle. I wanted to show you a lot of cases to train you and train your eyes to get really good. And again, while most splenic lesions are benign and we can blow them off, Sometimes it's not that simple. And again, you can see the challenge. Clinical scenario, big splenic lesion, even benign looking patients are symptomatic. They're getting a laparoscopic splenectomy. And that's the right thing to do. 
But you can see it becomes very important for us. Think about those cases when you can call leukemia or lymphoma early. Think about the diagnosis of sarcoid. Think about spontaneous hemorrhage with ITP. There's so many things we could think about. There's so many possibilities. And hopefully after this talk, you'll know it better than ever. And with that, I thank you very much for your attention. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website ctss.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.